Glory be to your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, you reign. You reign, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise be to your name. You reign, Lord God. Thank you. Thank you for your goodness. God, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the Prince of Peace. The Almighty. You are the great I Am. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. God, glory to your name. Thank you, Jesus. As we were worshiping, I just heard the Lord say, I brought you from rags to riches. In an instant, I have brought you from rags to riches. He has lifted us up because of his death on the cross. He has brought us up from the ashes. He has brought us from rags to riches, just like that. Thank you, Jesus. He is great and greatly to be praised. Thank you, Lord. Let every throne before him fall. I don't think that necessarily just means kingdom thrones. I think that might mean thrones in our lives. Let every throne in our lives, every throne that is above the name of Jesus, let them fall. Strip it all away. God, just pray that you would strip it all away, that we would be whole before you, able to worship you and praise you in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Lord, that you gave it all for us. And we just give it all for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you all the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. This last week, uh, I was at home and uh, Pastor Debbie called and asked what we we're going to do at Christmas time. Well, I had been praying about it. And so me and Mary and other people over the last couple of years have worked in an area where there's a Section 8 housing project down by the hospital. So this last week, uh, me and Mary started, uh, I think, on Tuesday night, and we were going door to door and talking to the people. And as we walked in, there's 60 units there, and all of it is Section 8 housing. And so there was a young lady getting in her car with uh, two little girls, and... Uh, a black lady, and I walked up to her and I said, uh, uh, how'd you like to get some love at Christmas time and some free gifts? And she kind of backed up and looked at him. What'd you say? I said, from our house at River Valley Christian Church to your house, we'd like to send some love to you at Christmas time. And she kind of looked at me again and she said, you got to be kidding. I said, no, I'm not kidding. No, I'm not kidding. And so, again, we're talking to her, and she said, what about, I said, you got some other people in here we can talk to? And she said, yes, I do. Well, we'll be back in here this afternoon. We've already got, well, when we end, we'll be somewhere between 20 and 25 families with the names of their children and their ages and their, uh, their size for their clothes. And what we'll do is we'll send a letter in from the church, from our house to your house, about the love of God, and there'll be a little note from Pastor John there to, about who we are and what we stand for, and that is to love people. I can't tell you, that we met a, a lady from Egypt, and uh, like, why are you doing this? I said, it's all about love to you, from us, from this church, to you. Some um, I met a couple from Sudan, and a, a number of uh, different... Uh, uh, countries in Africa. And all the kids are all around us looking at us. And uh, we went to one door and uh, a guy come that couldn't speak English. And just as we were standing there, this little girl gets off the bus seven years old and her name is Romy. So I'm talking to her and I said, Romy, I said, I need to have you write your name down. We want to bring you gifts at Christmas time. And she, she said, gifts. And she was right on the floor writing. <laughs> Thank you.
Do you understand that this is a year of glory for this church and the associations? Do you understand that the glory of the Lord is upon us to fulfill the great call? Do you understand what the glory means? That means his presence. That means his power. And we started by loving people and going out and meeting them and talking to them. Because all men should, all menaces should know that we're their disciples by the love we have. First of all, love one to another. The love of unity in the bond of peace. The love of unity in the bond of peace. This is a year of unity and peace for this church, but moving. And this is a good way to start the year to reach out and to touch people. It was all about loving them. And going in, we got invited into their house. And this one woman from, from uh, Egypt, she says to Mary, she says, can I hug you and your husband? And again, because love never fails. And we want to be known as that church. Right now, the world is full of turmoil, not here. I've never seen so much turmoil, but not in my heart. I got the Holy Ghost living in there. And we want that, we want that type of power going out. A demonstration of the Spirit with power. When you go to the street, when you're talking about God, you're talking about power. Isn't that true, Pastor Dan? Power. So what we'll do is you can, if you're going to give, we're going to have a team of people going out buying. We got sizes and you can write uh, on your uh, offering envelope for Christmas and we will go out and we will buy gifts and, and, uh, and a team will assemble to uh, sort them, te- uh, them gifts, but you can give it to the church or come in here and it will go out to the people. And a hundred percent, I believe what you give will go because it's for that. That's really, uh, when you give a hundred, when you give a hundred percent to God and a hundred percent go to somebody else, that's really a statement about your love to what, what other people don't have. And a lot of the kids there looking at me, they gather around and we're talking. And it's so wonderful to have that type of discourse between young ones. Oh, it's so, like precious. You know, Mr. Where, little kids ask, what happened to your eyes? I said, I lost it. And they go, But this church is so important to God. And what we're doing is important. Because we're outreaching. We're outsourcing into, into this community in Samaria, Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. What a year we got coming. What a year of glory. We can claim this year as a year of glory. Of God's presence, of God's power on us so that we can extend our influence into the community and have an impact wherever we go. Wherever we go, we should leave that that taste that Jesus had just been here through that person. Wow, it's a great year. Remember, you can make on your envelope, just write it for Christmas, and Pastor Debbie and this team that will assemble will get this stuff. We will buy, and what I like to do is shock them with stuff. I'm telling you, it's wonderful to do that. It's all about love. If you have any questions, you can talk to me or Debbie. And what we're doing is about reaching out to those individuals that need to have the love of Christ given to them by us. We're the ones that give. Jesus gave to us. We give to them. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Go ahead and turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Last week, um, we talked about that in this world, we have a, 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 the reality is, is that God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for you to fulfill. He has a direction. He has, He has given you everything you need to do it. He's supplied you. He's given you. But along the way, there's going to be a fight. And the fight happens because there's an enemy. You know, the Bible, we read last week that, that we, uh, we do not fight against flesh and blood, but we, we fight against principality and power and, and every evil thing that's trying to destroy the Word of God, destroy the plan of God in this earth. So there's going to be a fight. 
and that we can't quit, we can't give up, we can't stop, that we have to assume that we have to keep fighting and keep moving forward because bottom line, we win. We've won this fight. We've won the, the play that what God has started uh, at the very beginning and worked all the way through history and Jesus and, and the disciples and, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I mean, all, every story, every bit of the gospel, all the way 2,000 years then of church to us, we still have a, a job to do, but in the midst of it, there's going to be a fight. You know, we can't be ignorant of Satan's devices that he, you know, that, that he's going to try to stop us or at least try to discourage us so we quit. That's part of the fight. That's actually, that's the most common part of the fight is that you get so discouraged you quit. So we're not ignorant of those devices. But after I preached that last week, somebody asked a question. It was, it, when he, when they asked it, it was just, it was, it really resonated within me. I said, yeah, I've got to preach on that. They said, specifically, how do we fight? I mean, real. I mean, really, how does it happen in our everyday life? And how do we have to fight? Well, what, what is, what is it that, what's our responsibility? What's our, our part to play in this? And I thought, you know, that is it. And many times we can preach, I can preach and be uh, theoretical. Talk about the theory of faith and the theory. But what happens in reality? How do we do this? So, this week I'm going to do that. It's titled as How to Fight. Acts chapter 9, beginning with verse 10. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias said, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine but just this this these two verses are so key to this whole discussion but the lord said to him verse 15 starting again go for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the gentiles and kings and the children of israel for i will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name now we know he's talking about Paul. This section is talking about Paul. The story, the, the passages right before it talks about the road to, to, uh, uh, Damascus. I had three different names going through at the same time. You gotta, you gotta get the right one. Gotta look smart. Alright, Damascus. He was on the road to Damascus. The, he was there going, going there to, uh, persecute the church. Uh, the bright light shone. He got knocked off his high horse. He got up blind. He heard the voice of the Lord. He says, who are you? And Jesus said to him, he says, I'm, I'm Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting. And he went, he then ended up going to this house and he was blind, but he had seen a vision of a man named Ananias coming and praying for him. That's how we got to this verse. In it, Ananias is going, I don't know if I want to go see this guy. You know, he's, he's been killing people. He's been torturing them, trying to make them quit being a believer. You're kidding me. You want me to go pray for him? And the Holy Spirit said, yes, because he's a chosen vessel. He, he says, I have a plan for his life. He's going to go before kings and, and rulers, and he's going to proclaim my name. I have a plan for his life. Step one, how do we fight? First of all, you need to know who you are. You need to understand who you are. You need to understand that God has a call on your life. Every one of you. Not just pastors. Not just evangelists. Not just teachers and preachers and apostles. Not just, not just the fivefold ministry, but every believer, God has a plan for your life. And you're called for such a time as this, here and now, right now. He's called you to be who you are, where you are. 
He's called you to be in the office, in the factory, in the bank, in the school, in the, in the classroom, in the, He's called you. We've talked about that a ton. There is a call on your life. And if there's a call on your life, there's people that He is going to use you to touch their lives mightily. But if He can make you stop, if Satan can make you stop, if Satan can make you quit, if Satan tempts you and you sin and you give up because you're discouraged, then he wins. You don't go any further. You can't fulfill that vision because you go, well, I'm not worthy. You know, we're not going to have a show of hands, but how many of you, let's do a show of hands because I'm sure it's everybody. How many of you have ever felt, I don't, I don't measure up. I'm not worthy anymore. Well, okay, that we're in, we're in good company. Okay. We have this opportunity to be who God's called us to be, but Satan is going to try to make you stop. Paul heard, got to hear from the Holy Spirit and from Ananias that God has a call on your life. You're going to be a witness before the people of Israel uh, uh, and rulers and kings. Okay, so he's got that in the back of his mind. I'm called to be a witness in front of people and kings. He also said, though, I'm going to show him how much he needs to suffer or how much he's going to suffer. Nobody wants that part, do they? I mean, I didn't sign up for that. I mean, when I came to the Lord, it was because I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to stay out of suffering. I didn't, I don't want to, I, what do you mean, suffer for him? And then some people will take that and say that the suffering you're going to experience is sickness or disease or poverty or no those are parts of the curse you're suffering those people suffer those because they're under the curse but jesus said i've come to give you life and life more abundantly he told abraham he says i'm going to prosper and bless you to establish my covenant with you so that you can be a blessing to the nations He's called us to be a blessing. It takes money to do this stuff. Everything we're doing, it takes money for the gospel to be preached. Now, it doesn't cost you anything tomorrow morning to uh, to go to work and to uh, you know to, to talk to the person in the next cubicle. But you had to make some money to get to work, didn't you? Put gas in the car unless you're a walking commuter, or you have to walk to the next room to be at the computer, you know, at your home or whatever. But no, you it takes money to do this stuff. He didn't call you to poverty to show you, to show people how awesome poverty and how, how gracious you are under, under the curse of poverty. No. No. That's a part of the curse. Rebuke it. Move on. Let's go. Let's go preach the gospel, eh? The attack is persecution. The attack, what Paul suffered, if you read through that passage, we're not going to actually get to that part but he, he talks about all the things that he suffered for the gospel. Beatings, floggings, stonings, uh, shipwrecks. We're going to talk about shipwrecks here in a little bit. We, he talked about there, all the things he suffered was because he was preaching the gospel and unbelievers and, and, and religious people and everybody else tried to kill him. Tried to beat him into submission, trying to, to stomp out, tried to call him names, they accused him, they, they did all this stuff. That's what you're going to suffer. We will suffer persecution. Actually, if you're not suffering persecution, if you're trying to avoid it so much that you actually aren't experiencing it, that means you're not doing it right. Wow, we didn't like that one. Okay, let's try that again. (laughs) If you're not being persecuted, it's probably because you're not doing it right. If you haven't made anybody... Not because you're a jerk. There's two ways. There's a number of ways to make people mad. But if you have, if you've been, if you haven't somebody, if if you haven't had somebody tell you, quit preaching to me, quit telling, quit quit giving me verses, quit telling me that God is good. I don't want to hear this anymore. Then we may not be doing it right. Persecution will come. So turn over to Acts chapter twenty-six. A lot happened between Acts 9 and Acts 26. Actually, about 14 years happened. Maybe even more, 20 years. So one of the things you have to understand about the fight, so first of all, you have to know who you are. 
If you're taking notes, these are the things you want to write down. Know who you are. The second thing about the fight is it's going to take a while. I mean, I thought when I got saved, when I, when I was in, I, I bought into this whole Jesus, I'm in, I'm 100% in. I thought immediately I was just going to start traveling the world and preaching the God. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. No, it took years of sanctification before I was even, I mean, I started preaching the gospel right away. I started sharing with my, with my friends in my, in my workplace. I started sharing with my friends, my, my supposed friends, and every one of them told me, leave me alone. Stop talking. I, I must have been doing it right. Quit preaching Jesus. One guy told me, he says, I, I liked you better before. I said, well, I was dying before. I was damned before. I was a wretch before. You like that? Yep, that's what I like. Why? Because he is. He was. He didn't want something else being shown him, something else true. It takes time. Much time passed here. And in, this is actually towards the end of his ministry. He had been preaching all over Europe. He had been, he had been traveling. He had gone on at least one, if not two, missionary journeys. And we come to Acts chapter 26. He's in Jerusalem, or he's, he's, uh, was actually headed towards Jerusalem. And they told him, we talked about this on Wednesday night, uh, a, a prophet came and said, Paul, the man whose belt this is, and he tied Paul's belt around his hand. The, the man whose belt this is, when you get to Jerusalem, the Jews are going to tie you up and they're going to lead you where you don't want to go. And everybody said, don't go, right? Wasn't that, wouldn't that be the, the right answer? If a prophet came up to you and said, Jeremy, don't go to Marine on the St. Croix. <laughs> That's not really a rough place, is it? Is it? <laughs> Oh, it can be. Yeah, it can be. It can be. It was the first name, something small that came to my mind. Don't go to Marine, Jeremy. Jeremy, don't go to Marine. Because if you go there, you're going to be bound up and you're going to be hauled off to jail. Okay, just so you know. Would you go? The right answer. Did, Did you hear that? He said, if the Lord was leading me to, I'd go. Exactly. If you want to know that part of the whole story, listen to the Wednesday night tape. We talked about it at length. You go where God tells you to go. Paul went to Jerusalem because God told him to go to Jerusalem. And so even if a prophet came and said, this is what's going to happen to you when they get there, and it said all of his friends, everybody, even Luke, tried to talk him out of it. And Paul says, why would you? Why would I not do what God told me to do? And he went. And as soon as he got there, they bound him up and they started. they put him in jail and started leading him places. And he kept going higher and higher up the ranks, and we come to this scripture in Acts 26. Acts 26:30 says, "Then the king arose. Then the king rose, and the governor and Bernice." So here he is. He's this word back in Acts 9 is being fulfilled. He's being a witness between in front of King Agrippa and the governor Festus at the same time. And he had been there many times. He had actually witnessed to them many times. Then the governor and Bernice who were sitting with them, and when they had withdrawn, they said to one another, this man is doing nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Now obviously I can't read this whole story because I, where I need to get to this morning is further down the road. But Paul had gone in front of this judge and then this judge and this, and, and finally they said, no, we're, we're going to send you back to Jerusalem. Well, if they would have sent him back to Jerusalem, he'd have been killed. They were waiting for him there. He said, no, I appeal to Caesar. And, and, and he says here, well, if he hadn't said that, he'd have been set free. Why would you make that mistake? Because God says you're going to go be, you're going to stand before Caesar. God had a call in his life to be a witness in front of kings governors and kings and, and all the people. And, and to fulfill that, it took him on a trajectory that maybe you, you know, he didn't want physically to do, but he spiritually he's like, I'm in. Let's do this. Let's go. So he's now on his way to Caesar. Acts chapter 27. Here's where the good stuff starts. Acts 27 verse 1. 
And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship of Adoramium, which was about to set sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus and a Macedonian from Thessalonica. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty to Snidus. Does anybody know what that actually is? It Sida? Sida. Well, in my version, it says Snidus. C N I D U S. I'll go with yours. It sounds cooler. As the wind did not allow us to go further, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Salmon. Coasting along it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was, was the city of La Cie. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them and saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss not only of the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. But the centurion paid no attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship, or paid more attention to the pilot and the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. So they set sail. Something cool is going to happen here. Verse 13. Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. No, keep going. I love it. it. Oh, never mind. It's too late now. Forget it. You got the idea. Yeah, yeah. Forget it. Forget it. It was supposed to be seamless. All right. Never mind. You got it. All right. We didn't practice this. It's not their fault. I threw it at them at the last minute. It's not their fault. All right. Moving along. 15. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along, running under the lee of a small island named Cauda. We managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground on Sirtis, they lowered the gear and thus were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard and with, all, with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay, hold, lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me. <laughs> I love that. Men, you should have listened to me. You should have not left. So we, can, we could read a bunch of that. We're going to skip some. But here's the deal. Go back to chapter 9. Paul said, or uh, Ananias, God told Ananias, I have a call on this man's life. I mean, we know who Paul is 2,000 years later. We know about his life. We know about his ministry. We know about his obedience. We know about all this stuff. And we understand what he did for the cause of Christ. But at that time, he's just like you and I. He's going through his life going, okay, Lord, am I in the right path? Am I doing the right things? Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go here. I'm going to preach this. I'm going to say that. And he had every temptation and every opportunity to doubt like you do. But he kept moving forward. No matter, even when, when it seemed like everybody was warning him not to do it, he kept moving forward. He kept doing what God called him to do. And he kept being obedient. He went to Jerusalem. He preached. And then, and then as he's preaching before even these kings, he has an opportunity to get out of it and he won't let it, he won't even take that opportunity. He kept preaching. He kept doing what God called him to do. If anybody did it right, it's Paul. That's the thing. He, if anybody did it right, it's Paul. So why are all these bad things happening still? That's the question. That was the question this week was, 
Well, what does it exactly look like to fight? Because many times we get into the fight, we get into this obeying God and sticking with it, and then all hell breaks loose. And it, it feels like I did something wrong. I must be doing something wrong. You ever felt that way? Yeah. When in, when in reality, you might be doing the exact right thing. You might be doing exactly what you're supposed to do. Now you might be. You notice I say might be. Why? Because we're humans and we can make mistakes, right? So you gotta make sure. You gotta make sure you're not just bullheaded. And you keep, you know, pushing in, pushing in where you're not supposed to be. But once you know where you're supposed to be, then you keep pushing in. And even as he kept pushing in, as he kept moving forward, the attacks or the, the situation kept getting worse and worse. So now, now the ship is falling apart. Now they're in a storm. And he had the answer. He said, don't go. And the, the, the captain and the pilot said, no, we can make it. You know, they were, they were thinking money. The faster we get these guys here, the more, the quicker we can turn around and go make more money. And they said, no, we should go for it. And the, and the guard says, well, I'm not going to listen to a prisoner. I'm going to go with this, with the guys who know what they're doing. And they get into trouble. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. Your, the, what you're walking through may get worse and worse and worse before it gets better. Now, if you're making mistakes, stop making the mistakes. If you're doing something wrong, quit doing something wrong. But if you're doing what's right and your heart is right before God, you keep moving. It doesn't matter who says you shouldn't do this. doesn't matter who says you're an idiot. doesn't matter who says you can't. It doesn't matter who says anything other than what the Word of the Lord says. You keep moving forward. How do you fight? You don't quit. You keep getting up. You get knocked down, you get back up. You keep, you keep doing it. If you, the moment you stop, you lose. So they're moving forward. The, the storm gets worse and worse. Verse 25. So take heart, men, for I have faith. Go oh, back up. Verse 23. He's encouraging them. He says in verse 23, For this very night there stood before me an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. There's that word again. You have to hear the word of the Lord. How do you hear the word of the Lord? The Bible. How do you hear the Word of the Lord? Prayer, seeking Him. If you haven't heard of the Word of the Lord, maybe you're not doing it right. What do you mean? It's my fault? I'm just going to be honest with us, folks. When, I haven't, when I'm questioning and doubting and not thinking I've heard from God, it's not Debbie's fault. Right? Yes. <laughs> it's not my kid's fault. Well, because I'm the one who needs to hear from God. I'm the one who needs to know the word of the Lord. And you need to hear the word of the Lord. How do you do that? Don't call me. Hey, John, what's the word of the Lord for me? Read your Bible. (laughs) Seek the Lord. Listen for his voice. That's going to be the answer. But we have to hear that. So here he is, hearing the word of the Lord again. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that we will be exactly as I have been told. Verse 25. But we must run aground on some island. When the 14th night had come, and as we were being driven across the Adriatic, so 14 nights, day and night, a storm, every moment thinking you're going to die. Every moment thinking that's the, that's the last wave that's going to take us out. Your fight, your, your situation can feel like that. That I can't take one more wave. That I can't take one more attack. I can't take one more day of having to believe. How long? We asked the question on Wednesday night because we were talking about being steadfast, not moving. How long do you walk by faith? How long do you hold on before you give up? How long do you keep going before you quit? Ten days? Fifty days? 
How long, this isn't a trick question, how long do you keep going before you give up? Never. If you've got the Word, if God has said to you, this is what He's, this is my plan and purpose for your life, you don't quit. Ever. You don't, what? Well, you just keep moving. You keep fighting. They kept fighting. Paul kept encouraging, kept fighting. When the fourteenth night had come, and as we were driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found twenty fathoms. A little farther on, they took a sounding again and found fifteen fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay on the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut the ropes of the ship and let it go. I mean, that's that's just like... All of your friends are bailing on you. You're standing and believing, and you've had people standing around you helping you and, 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 and keeping you on, keeping you going, and all of a sudden they start bailing on you. Is that a good time to quit? No, that's about the only time you, have, you just hang on. You just keep hanging on. Acts 27, 39. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach. Hallelujah. On which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Then they, then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made it for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken by the surf. And the soldiers, uh, the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners. I mean, you can't get any worse. You are now being battered by the waves. You, you're, you're, there's, there's the finish line. You can see the finish line, but now they're going to kill you. In the fight, it is going to look absolutely hopeless. That you have zero hope. In the reality of the fight, there will come a day when you can't take another step. You cannot even think about taking another step. You can't think. You have zero power. You're convinced you have zero power. You have, you are convinced that, that right now they're about, I'm about to die. Any second, I'm about to die. And I heard one preacher say, you're in exactly the right position. Do you know why you're in exactly the right position? Because now it's not about you anymore. Nobody, not you, not me, not anybody, wants to get to the place where there is nothing you can do. But in that moment, when you call upon the name of the Lord, you win. Many of you have been to that place. Many of you have been in that moment. I've been there. I've been in that moment where there was no hope. I can give you the reference and you can remember the story. My wife was laying on the bed dying. The doctor said, that's it. There's nothing left. There's nothing we can do. I prayed and said, Lord, there's nothing I can do. But you're still God. You're still God. And I trust you, I believe you, I, I love you, and it doesn't matter what happens next. You are my God. In that moment, you win. You don't want to go there, do you? I don't want to go there. I, you know, physically, emotionally, as a human being, we don't want to go there, but it's in that that you're going to see amazing miracles. You made it, right? Yeah, you made it. <laughs> 20 minutes later, 20 minutes later, everything changed in her life. The doctor said, there's nothing we can do. If it doesn't change in the next hour, she'll die. And everything changed in that moment. Don't quit. 
20 minutes before. How do you fight? You don't quit. You believe God. You acknowledge Him. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You, you follow Him and you, you, you allow Him to be God. When you've run out of all the answers, when you've run out of all your ability to solve anything, <clears throat> hang on. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that they were all brought safely to the land. Now, the story goes on that he goes to, to they live, they survive, they get to the land, they go on to, to Rome. He stands before Caesar. But during that, during the middle of that, during the middle of that fight, the only hope they had was God. I wished I could stand up here and tell you, if you do this on day one and you're gonna, and then you do this on day two and you do this on day 15 and you do this on day 30, here are the, here are the 25 steps that you can do to fight. That'd be easy. I'd write a book, make lots of money. Well, I'd intend to write a book. But it's, it's not. Because the whole answer is, God, I am trusting you right now. I'm trusting you for my finances. I'm trusting you for my health. I'm trusting you for my family's health. I'm trusting you for the answer to this problem. I'm, tr- I'm trusting you to solve this predicament. I'm trusting you, and, and I don't see any way to get out of this. I don't have any way to answer this question, this problem. But Lord, I'm trusting you, and I'll do what you tell me to do. And then you do what he tells you to do. Whatever it is. And I, I can't, you know, I could, I could give you stories from my life where, where I came to a point and I, and the Lord said, do this, do this, and I just did it. One time I was, when I first came to the Lord, I, I was, I was so far in debt and I had, I was, my job didn't make enough money to pay the debt. And I, I was ready to give up. I, I didn't, I was ready, I owed people you're not supposed to owe money to. Let's just put it that way. We'll leave it at that. I was like, Lord, what, what do I do? He says, obey me. Okay, what am I supposed to do? Today, get in the Word. Oh, okay. I can do that. <laughs> I can do that. Okay? Tithe. That was actually the second thing He told me. Tithe. Okay. I grew up tithing. I just, I, okay, I'll do it. My parents tithe. I just, I, okay, I'll do it. I'll just obey you. Now he says, pay this part of this bill. Tell them this is all the money you have. You're going to give it to them. Give this much, this much of the bill. So I call them up says, I've got this much. We want it all. I have this much. We want it all. I don't care. I have this much. <coughs> oh. Next week, now what do I do? Next week, now what do I do? Next week, now what do I do? And one year later, I was debt free. I couldn't figure that out in my own head. I didn't know. I wouldn't have done it that way. Step by step. How do you do it? I don't know. You just hear the Word of the Lord and you keep moving forward. Well, I, haven't, I don't hear the Word of the Lord. You better start hearing the Word of the Lord. Not trying to be a jerk here. But that is your answer. You, you, get, in the, you get in the Bible, you get into prayer, and you don't do anything. If you need an answer, then you don't do anything else but seek after that answer. Because the Word says, if you seek Him with all of your heart, He will be found by you. So they did absolutely everything. He did everything he's supposed to do. He, did, he didn't let them cast, you know, put the boats in the water. They didn't let him kill them. He did, he did everything. He, he encouraged them. So you just keep following the word of the Lord. He did absolutely everything right. They finally got to shore. And then this happens. Acts chapter 28. After we were brought safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us because it had begun to rain and was cold, when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. (laughs) 
Where is God in that? You've done everything right. You did, and you even had a victory. You had a small victory, but you had a victory. Whoo! I can relax. Ah! I can re- relax. I can relax. Ah! I got ahead of myself. Snake bites him. What the heck? And it's clamped on. He has to shake. Oh, just ah! Oh, I hate snakes. But he did everything right, and and he still got. And what? Here to come. Come on. I love the way the Bible records this. I love the way Luke records this. It is absolutely hilarious to me. Verse 4, When the native people saw that the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. (laughs) Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Verse 5, He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and thought he was a god. <laughs> Even if the, if the devil tries one more time to kill you, just shake it off. Go about your business. He can't kill you unless you give up. Or if you disobey. Or, if you've got a call of God on your life, you're not going one second earlier, are you, PD? No, not one second earlier. Not one week earlier. Not one month earlier. Not one day earlier. Not any time. When you got things to do, you're here for a reason. You keep moving forward. Okay. You're not, you're not gone yet. You're not done yet then what are you supposed to be doing? Get in the Word. Pray. Seek His face. How do you fight, folks? Keep going. Read the Word. Pray. Keep moving. And be obedient. If He tells you to do something, you go, I don't want to do that. Well, good luck. Have fun with that one. I'd like to be more spiritual about that, but good luck. That's That's what I got for you. It's about obedience. It's about knowing Him. It's about knowing His voice. And it's about obeying. Let's stand. Father, I pray that each and every one of us hears Your voice. There is nothing better than knowing that the God of all the universe is leading You and guiding You. There's nothing better than Your Word. The psalmist said that it was sweet as honey and filling and satisfying. That it, Your Word brings us life and light. Father, I pray that each and every one of us seeks You till we find You. And that the voice of another we will not follow. And Father, I pray that every person within the sound of my voice, whether here in this room or listening by internet or recording of some sort, that everyone hears Your voice right now calling them to You. And Father, I pray that by Your Holy Spirit that You will do what You said You would do and that You'd convict all, You would convict us of our sin. That if we're without You, if anyone is without You, that we'll know it. We'll know we're without You. And we'll seek You. We'll, we'll, do, we'll lay everything else aside, giving up all to gain You. Even now as we're in an attitude of prayer, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now is a perfect time to do that. We're not going to call you forward. We're not going to have you raise your hand. None of that stuff. Why? Because it's a change of your heart. It's a change of your will. It's a change of your life. And it, it, the, the most important audience that you can have right now is the audience of one. Him. God. That decision has to be a, a decision you make to Him. With Him. And how do you make that? Lord, I repent. I repent of my sin. I believe that what Jesus did on the cross for me saves me from all my sins, washes all away the sin. Come into my life, Lord. 
This day I make you the Lord of my life. You get to be in charge. You get to be the boss. I'll follow you. I'll do what you tell me to do. Now fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me with your power to be a witness of what you've done for me and for millions and billions of others. That's how you get saved. By, by changing the direction you're headed and seeking Him with all of your heart. The change happens next. We'll know. Others will know if you, if you have truly made that decision. You'll live differently. You'll live differently. You'll have different purpose in life. And you'll follow it. And you'll do it no matter what. Allowing Him to be Lord. One of the first things He asks you to do is to be baptized. If, the, if right now, whether on recording or listening to this on a recording or here in this place, if you just made that decision just now, then you need to be baptized right away. Soon as you can. We could have the water ready next week. We could have it ready for Wednesday night, as far as I'm concerned. Get baptized. Obey God. He, Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the Gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is an act of obedience to the Word of the Lord. It's good to start obeying Him right away. Then, you get to know Him more. Know Him more. Know Him more. Get in His Word and grow. That's how you're saved. This morning, if that's something you've done, tell somebody about it. Tell the person who brought you. Tell the person across the aisle from me. I don't care. Tell me. I'll rejoice. Otherwise, call the number that shows up on the screen right now. We'll pray for you. We'll get you some stuff. Help you on your way. Hallelujah. Father, we do thank You for Your Word. Father, this week in the fight, I thank You that we win. We win because You've won. And that every step, whether it, whether it looks fantastic or whether it looks terrible, help us, Father, to keep taking those steps forward following you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.